All right, this is a study of our book of Acts, part two. Um, last week we talked about that the the book of Acts was the the Acts of the Apostles. Um, Matthew sixteen eighteen. It says that Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Do you remember that before? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, then Jesus responded in verse 18, and, I, and he said, and I say unto thee also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The, the key thing there that's part of the, the theme of the book of Acts is Jesus says, I will build my church. What we're seeing in the book of Acts is Jesus building his church. So it is the Acts of the Apostles as they ministered and did the things that, that God wanted them to do, but it's actually God in action, God building his church. Remember we talked last week how it was it was all the law and the traditions and and uh, the sacrifices and temple and all that, well, it's a, a whole new game now that Christ has come. He died, was crucified, rose again. And now we're, we're starting the New Testament, the new covenant that God makes with man is no longer under the law, but under grace. And uh, all that the law and all the Old Testament to this point was the fulfill or uh, was the, the prophecy of Christ of what all this is about. So it's all being fulfilled in the book of Acts. So uh, it's God at work building his church. So these, you could say they're the acts of the apostles, but ultimately they're the acts of God as he builds his church. All right. Uh, any questions or thoughts? Or I'll, I'll just continue my introduction. If you have something, raise your hand. Any thought, whatever, just let, let me know. Uh, just a little more brief, and I want to do that before we get into our verse by verse each week. We'll just give you a little bit of history of things going on. But the book of Acts covers about a 30-year period uh, from Pentecost uh, or the resurrection or the ascension of Christ to Paul's first uh, imprisonment. It covers all what happened to the church, and it took place over about a a 30-year period. Um, it started out with about 120 people we read last week. Remember, there was about a, roughly 120 people, men, women, gathered in the room. They were praying uh, in our study last week. They were praying and and maybe basically just having a, a, a prayer meeting and, and waiting on the promise that Jesus said that not many days from this, the Holy Spirit will come. Uh, who the Father has promised and wait on him to come. And so they're in this room, an upper room here, I guess you could say, about 120 people, and they're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, it starts off with roughly 120 people, and and it ends with tens of thousands of uh, disciples uh, of Christ, where the people who have been converted or saved. Uh, we'll see some of that uh Maybe tonight and in, in our next chapter as we see the thousands that are converted to Christianity and are saved. So it goes from Jerusalem 
the book of Acts starts in Jerusalem, and that's where they're at. They're waiting and goes to the uttermost parts of the earth, all the known world, all the Mediterranean area over there. Uh, and we'll look at that. Like I said, I'll have more uh, visuals of ma maps of the the journeys that Paul made and where Peter was and things like that. And we're going to tie that in with, with the New Testament. Um, I don't know if I told you last week. I don't remember if I did, so I'll say it again. You understand that, that the book of Acts, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Old Testament, pretty much. New Testament begins with Acts. And then the New Testament, as far as what we call New Testament in the Bible, pretty much all falls within the book of Acts as far as the timeline. You understand that? That that the letter to Corinth and all the rest, Paul went to Corinth. We'll see where he went there in the book of Acts and started that church and how there was problems and all the rest. So most of all Paul's uh, epistles, pastoral letters to his churches, to the churches that he started, all fall within the timeline of the book of Acts. Uh, so we'll tie all that together with some of our visuals and and where he takes his journey and stuff, but we'll we'll do that uh, after I come back week after next. So anyway, um, they're, they're in that room and they're waiting that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, uh, chapter one. And then in chapter two, we're going to see where they received the power that the Holy Spirit did come. Um, and the Holy Spirit... Uh, began to work and, and the different disciples, first in Peter, as he stood up and spoke, and, and that covers pretty much chapters 1 through 12 of the book of Acts, where Peter and some of the disciples, but Peter is the main instrument through the first 12 chapters that is speaking and preaching and doing the things that he's been led by the Holy Spirit. And then chapters 13 through uh, 28, we primarily see Paul doing most of the ministry work. So, uh, anyway, so then uh, the Pentecost comes. We'll we'll look at that. Um, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of the rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them closed tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad and the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in, in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saving one to another. Behold, are not all of these which speak Galatians? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthenians, Medes, Emilites, and the dwellers in Methotomia, and dwellers in uh, Methotomia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and in 
Pontus in Asia. I love these names. Phagara Phagara in Pamphylia, Egypt, and then the parts of Libya and Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Creeds and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what means these things? Others mocked these men and uh, these mocked and said, these men are full of wine. Now, uh, going back to verse 1, in the day of Pentecost was fully come. This is the day that Jesus promised. This is the day. Go, go and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pentecost, if you uh, may, basically it means 50 or 50th. Okay? So it was the 50th day after the first fruits. Uh, this was a Jewish custom and I won't get into it too much, but, but to, the, to them at the Passover, remember Jesus was crucified at the Passover and all the rest. Uh, 50 days later, they would celebrate Pentecost. Uh, so to the Jews, this was a feast of the first fruits. Well, and they celebrated the giving of the law of God on this day. Well, on this 50th day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. So now the Christians, we no longer celebrate the law, but we celebrate the Holy Spirit of God's law being written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's no longer on stones and pages. And he says, I will write my laws on their hearts. This is the fulfillment of that through the Holy Spirit as he speaks. So as Christians, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit who now, as we said last week, remember he would come and go on different people in the Old Testament. Now he comes and fills up at this point, 120 people in the room. And uh, these are all believers and all the rest. They're there for Pentecost, uh, the 50th day after uh, the resurrection of Christ. Remember, he walked for 40 days, so now it's what? 10 days after Christ has come. They've been in prayer meeting for 10 days. And now the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, they've been waiting, and, and this is what we're seeing take place here. Um, Pentecost now, and they just say this, that some people pray for Pentecost. Uh, pray that it happen again. Pentecost is not ever going to happen again. Just like uh, the resurrection of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the ascension of Christ is not ever going to happen again. When he did that, he did it once and for all. Up to this point, the Holy Spirit come and go. Now he's coming to be omnipresent to fulfill all men and women. So this is a once in a lifetime thing. Christ has ascended. Now the Holy Spirit can come. So to pray that Pentecost will come is not an accurate prayer. Pentecost already came. And as I said earlier, when you are saved, you accept Jesus as your, as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells you. That's your Pentecost, I guess you could say. 
but for a church to pray for Pentecost, you could pray that the Holy Spirit would move, that we would be surrendered to his will, that, that he would do great things in our midst, in our church, but you can't pray for the Holy Spirit to come again. He's already here. And that's what happened at Pentecost. He comes and the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to work. And they begin to, these men, these 120 women and men begin to experience something they've never experienced before. Um, I have a question that just came to me. So suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. All right. It didn't say a, a mighty rushing wind came. It says as of a rushing wind. That's the only way they could describe it. They were there. They were having prayer meeting. And all of a sudden just, whoa, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak. They And, and they weren't preaching and teaching. They were praising God for the gift of the Holy Spirit that they now are experiencing. I'm sure things are being revealed to them. They're under, maybe if they any of them had any doubt about what all happened with Christ and where he's at, it was probably revealed to them at that moment. All the Old Testament became very clear to them as the Holy Spirit revealed truth to them of God's word. So they began to praise God for this gift that had come. And that's what you see in the next few verses. Uh, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire and set upon each of them. In other words, uh, you ever been in a place where you just, that you feel the Holy Spirit moving and you just really feel like he's telling you, you need to say something or you need to do something. And it's almost like Jeremiah said, it's a fire in my bones and I can't hold my tongue. I think this is probably what they were experiencing. They were so excited about the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're so excited about what God was doing. They couldn't keep their tongue. And that's what it's saying here. Um, I think that they couldn't stay silent about it. And as they appraised, were praising God, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is, you know, and I'll find out when I get to heaven. But I told y'all, we're going to talk about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the rest. Other tongues is key to me here. Uh, I've had people ask me for, you think it's right for us to speak in tongues? Well, if you want to do it by Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, but the problem is 99.9% .9 of the people who speak in tongues don't follow the guidelines of 1 Corinthians so what I can say is if you're not going to follow the guidelines of 1 Corinthians, then you're not going to speak in tongues in my church. It says another tongue. And these were uh, all dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men of every nation under heaven. Okay, so they're all gathered for the feast of the first fruits. And they, they were basically educated men. They were businessmen. They were whatever. And they were all there. And now when the noise went abroad, or in other words, these 120 began to praise out loud the, the blessings of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the multitude came together. People started coming in. 
and saying, what's going on here? What is all this about? What, you know, the, I, we hear all this going on. What is it about? And uh, it says, and they were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. That's the definition to me of another tongue. That's not an unknown tongue. So what was happening is these were praising God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as they praised God, uh, I'm a German. So Jack, you're praising God in English. I hear it in my German language coming out of his mouth. But at the same time, Philip is, what are your descendants? Scottish. Scottish? I don't know what Scottish or English too, aren't they? Irish, okay. So as Jack is, is praising God, I'm hearing it in German. He's hearing it in Scottish. He's hearing it in Japanese, you know. He's hearing it in Dutch or, or whatever. But Jack's saying the same thing. We're just hearing it in our language. That's what's going on here. That's what you're hearing. Now, there was another place where uh, Peter will stand up and speak, and as he spoke... The words came out in the language appropriate for the crowd. Okay? So, that to me is another tongue. In a few weeks, we'll talk about an unknown tongue. And we'll get into it. It'll probably be just a whole night of that. And I think there is a difference between an other tongue and an unknown tongue. Okay? And they both had a purpose. They both were to glorify God. They both were the spreading of the gospel. Uh, the one had another purpose to show the Jews that the Gentiles could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that purpose has been fulfilled and done. So I'm getting ahead of myself. But just give you a little highlight of where I'm at on speaking on tongues and all the rest. We, uh, the Bible tells me as a, as a minister not to forbid them to speak. In other words, not to tell them they can't. But if you are, you're going to have an interpreter you're not going to do it more than two and three in one service. Uh, and this might make a lot of you mad, but, and the women don't do it at all. It's not going to be confusing either. Huh? It's not going to be confusing. Right. It's not confusing. But when you go to these uh, charismatic movements, everybody in the place is total chaos, doing it all at the same time. There's no interpreter, and it's mostly women doing it. You put two plus two together. I have nothing against women. You'll see in this study, I am not against women. I'm not in working and doing ministry. I believe in deaconesses. Huh. I'll have to find a new job when I get back. I believe women can pray in church. I believe it's scriptural. But he clearly says when speaking in tongues, women don't do it. Are you on as some of them were mocking and saying that they were basically drunk and others uh, doubted and didn't understand what it meant. Verse 14, we see, uh, but Peter standing up with the 11 uh, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. In other words, they're doubting, some are mocking. He said, let me tell you one thing. 
is basically what it said. I'm going to set something straight for you right here and now is what Peter is saying. So Peter stands up. He said, for these are not drunken, as you supposed, or as you're accusing them to be, seeing this is but the, the third hour of the day. Well, that's interesting. So if it was the seventh hour of the day, it'd be all right, you know. I mean, see, even then they were accustomed to, you know, you don't drink early in the morning, you know, uh, basically what he's saying. It's too early in the day to be drunk. Uh, but they, his point was they're not drunk. Uh, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So here again, as we saw last week, Peter starts quoting the Old Testament. Peter's really coming out of his shell here. Remember just 50 days before, he's, he's denied Christ. And he's hiding, and, and Jesus is having to walk with him on the beach and, and say, feed my lambs, feed my... This is the fulfillment. He's feeding the lambs now. Now he's, he's uh, quoting the Old Testament of, of the prophet of, uh, Joel. Uh, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness in the moon in the blood before the great and notable day of the Lord uh, day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved I'm going to stop right there Peter is basically setting them straight he says look here I know you're doubting I know you don't understand what's going on and know these people aren't drunk this is exactly what the prophet Joel, he's talking to the Jews. He, he said, this is what Joel, the prophet, said would happen. That God said in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. This is the fulfillment of that. A lot of people think that that is the last days of the tribulation or right before the... No, we are in the last days. Y'all understand that? <coughs> Even then, after Christ's ascension, we are in the last days period. Pentecost was God pouring out his spirit on all mankind. That's when the last day, but that, that's when he started saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand and stuff. Right, right. yeah. That's when it became the last day. Right. Uh, we're, in, we're, we're winding this down, God says. We're coming to the, the end of the last days. And one of the signs is, is I'm going to pour out my spirit. We saw that happen at Pentecost. We, we're going to see where people prophesy and prophesy. We've got to get that. A lot of, I prophesy every Sunday. That means to teach or to preach God's word. Okay. That's not a new revelation. I'm not being a prophet. I am prophesying God's word. I'm teaching God's word. And that's what he's saying here. Um, and then the dream dreams and all the rest uh, that you'll see, they'll see visions. We're going to see that in this book. Uh, as we study the book of Acts, you know, of the Peter talks about a vision uh, that, that he was supposed to go and, and do certain things. And, 
And then Paul sees a vision, he knows not whether he was in the mind or whatever. So we'll talk about the visions and dreams that they see. Uh, and he said, but then he goes on down toward the end of the last days. He's talking about, I will show wonderful works in heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire. And then he talks, the sun shall be turned into darkness. Now that's what he's talking about right in the very end of it. Uh, he's sort of given a, I guess, a chronological order. The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. You're going to see these wonderful things happening, and and the church will grow, and and all these things, and and he's sort of giving you a timeline here of what all these things are going to transpire, and then toward the end of those last days, the sun will be turned into darkness. The moon will turn blood red. And he's talking about before that great and notable day of the Lord to come. That That is when Christ returns to set up uh, to defeat the Antichrist and all the rest. So that's what he's talking about, I believe, there. So Peter's in these first, into verse 21, is pretty much just straightening them out. And, and we really didn't make it through chapter 1 tonight. So we're just going to stop at, at verse 21. And uh, we'll pick up on 22 and go as far as we can next time.